Today's Callahan Show is sponsored by MyPillow. Go to MyPillow.com and use code word Jerry for huge discounts. For example, you can get the standard MyPillow, which is normally $69.98 for only $19.98 with code word Jerry. I'd call that a huge discount. MyPillow is made in the USA and it comes with a 10-year warranty. It's machine washable and dryable. It's the most comfortable pillow you will ever sleep on. Makes an excellent gift. Get it now. And you can support this show and you can strike back against cancel culture. As you know, like us, Mike Lindell is constantly under attack from the cancel culture mob. By purchasing from MyPillow, not only are you helping this show, you're fighting back against cancel culture. MyPillow isn't in the big box stores anymore, so you can get factory direct pricing if you order from MyPillow.com using code word Jerry. This is The Jerry Callahan Show. This is amazing, but not surprising, of course. But uh, I, I do, if you, if you had any hope, any faith, any trust left in the mainstream media, uh, at least if you live in Boston, I mean, that's over. That's a, it's a joke. As we know, the Boston Globe's a joke. The Herald is a shell of its former self, sadly. Uh, the TV station said they don't care, but, uh, you know, real news. The story we spent time on yesterday, and it went viral uh, in certain places on the Internet and certain Twitter accounts that uh, a transgender uh, first-grade teacher in Boston in Roslindale was, uh, was grooming young kids uh, to at least question their sexual I, uh, their gender identity. It just, it, it was bizarre. We played it. We could play it again. His name's Ray Skyer. He is a creep. I'm sorry. She's a creep who admitted talking to six-year-olds and five-year-olds about uh, his transition, her transition, and how the doctors make mistakes when they look at you when you're born and declare whether you're a boy or a girl. So just out of curiosity, and it's a huge story, it really is. It's a that it, it, it's 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 part of this trend, uh, which thankfully, uh, thankfully, most of these groomers are are egomaniacs, are narcissists. So they put out their their stories on TikTok or on uh, Instagram. Um, the number that you see on on social media bragging about how they talk to six year olds about sex is astounding and it makes you wonder what about the ones who aren't on TikTok or aren't on Instagram there must be millions and they are are they're they're committing child abuse that's what this is we have a we have a first grade teacher in Boston committing child abuse telling 6 year olds and 5 year olds about how uh, he was a boy a girl now he's a boy and they're just confusing these little kids who could never Never get their mind around it. Never process this thing. These are, again, kids who believe in Santa Claus, kids who don't know what sex is or gender is. And you have this woman with a little facial hair and dressed as a man telling them, intentionally confusing them. I think that's a pretty big story. That kid, that person, that woman is back in the classroom at Brook School in Roslindale this morning presumably uh, uh, confusing the kids all over again, abusing those kids all over again. And I just gave it a quick perusal. Uh, of course, the Boston Globe, would never, I went through their website, 
don't see a word, of course. I mean, they, they would want, if they did write about Ray Skyer, it would be to support him and uh, uh, back this child abuser 100% and say, we knew, need more people like this woman who is obviously, she's got her own issues. Obviously she <laughs> has some really uh, disturbing things going on. Not only is she, does she transition and, and live like a man, but she wants little children, not talking high school kids, college, or talking five-year-olds to know all her about her, you know, her journey. I mean, it's just, it's just such narcissism. Teach the kids, you, you creep, teach them to read. They don't want that. Even if you were heterosexual and you lived with your wife and you had two kids and a dog, they don't need to hear it. I mean, is that why someone like this goes into teaching so they can tell their story, their truth to little kids who go home confused and, and probably asking mom and dad, you know, what's, what is gender, mom? What is gender? This person's still in class. There's nothing in the Boston media, as far as I could tell, nothing in the Globe, nothing in the Herald, nothing on TV. And of course, our cowardly mayor, our mayor, yeah, mayor too. I mean, I, I know I don't expect anything from Michelle Mute, Michelle Wu, the mayor. She supports this child abuse. Uh, nothing, obviously, from our congressperson, Ayanna Presley. She supports this kind of child abuse. And our governor, the most pathetic squish governor in the country, says nothing about this. Governor, there's a bunch of kids, probably, I don't know, 20, 25, 30 kids who are sitting down in class right now listening to this lunatic talk about her journey and her transition and telling the kids when they were born, the doctor took a guess, told their mom, told their dad, it's a boy or it's a girl, but not really stating a fact or anything, just took a guess. And you know what, kids, the doctor may have been wrong. You have a penis, you think you're a boy, but maybe you're not. That's what we're getting from a first grade teacher in Roslindale today and nobody seems to care. We turn a blind eye to this kind of child abuse, and it just amazes me. This shit, this kid, this woman should not be in a classroom with little kids. And not only is she a classroom with little kids, she probably got a, you know, a, a all kind, a big round of applause from her, her, her peers, her colleagues, her bosses. And the media does nothing, says nothing. Again, the Globe will come out on this, and they will support this. They will say, we need more groomers. We need more people to warp the young minds of, of five and six-year-olds. The governor, he'll be talking about, you know, uh, yesterday, I was looking to see what he did yesterday. He talked about health care. Health care. What about the health care of the five and six-year-olds at the Brook School in Roslindale? Governor Baker, you pathetic, spineless little worm. You don't think that they matter? They don't matter? You know why they don't matter to him? Because he doesn't dare cross the globe. He doesn't dare get lumped in with, with uh, Ron DeSantis or, Donald, God forbid, Donald Trump, one of those right-wing troglodytes who, who, who cares about you know, six-year-olds and their mental health. It is stunning what, what, what happened here. It's stunning what is being tolerated here. It makes, me, make, makes my skin crawl to think, these kids, and I don't have a kid in that classroom. I got a, I got a job for you, Ironhead, mm -hmm. since uh, you got probably have some spare time on your hands when you're not cleaning your guns, and we'll get to that. But why don't you try to find one of the dads or moms 
of these Brook School kids. Either way, whether they support this creep or don't, I want to hear what a mother or father of a five or six-year-old feels when their kid comes home and says, yeah, my teacher, Mr. Skyer, was telling us about how doctors are sometimes make mistakes when they are uh, in the delivery room and the baby is born and they say, oh, look, a penis. It must be a boy. Oh, but sometimes they're wrong. That kid with a penis might be a girl. With, with, I, again, grownups can't get their mind around this insane trend that, that we got going on in the country. How could a kid, how could a six-year-old ever be expected to understand that? It's scary. It's frightening. It's disturbing. And of course, our political leaders do nothing, sit on their hands or quietly applaud this madness. But I guess it's part of the plan. Do we have to, to just to remind our listeners who may have not been with us yesterday? Let's hear a little from uh Ray Skyer, who, uh, you know, despite appearances, is was a girl when 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 he was delivered, when she was delivered. But, you know, doctors make mistakes and now he's a boy and he is talking again to K through two students in this video right here in this Zoom call right here. K, that's five year olds, six year olds and seven year olds. And tell me that this wouldn't be just mind boggling and confusing to any kid that age. Go ahead. And something something cool about me, Miss Hammond? All right. All right. So something that's really cool and unique about who I am is that I am transgender. So we touched a little bit about that at the beginning of this week uh, in the book that Miss Hammond read, but I'm going to give you my explanation about what it means to be transgender as well. So when babies are born, the doctor looks at them and they make a guess about whether the baby is a boy or a girl based on what they look like. And most of the time that guess is 100% correct. There are no issues whatsoever. Um, but sometimes the doctor is wrong. The doctor makes an incorrect guess. Um, when the doctor makes a correct guess, that's when a person is called cisgender. When a doctor's guess is wrong, that's when they are transgender. So I'm a man, but when I was a baby, hey, you're, you're the not, doctors not, told but, me- but, but enough. Uh, where are you, Charlie Baker? Where are you? Uh, uh, again, I was going to say Michelle Wu, but you think this is wonderful. Not really. Not really. Michelle Wu doesn't think this is wonderful, nor does... Ed Markey or Liz Warren, but they're going to pretend they don't want to cross the globe. The globe has a mission to advance this kind of insanity. That's directed to five and six year olds that the doctor makes a guess and he guessed and I'm a girl, but he was wrong. Can't you see I'm wearing a flannel shirt and I got a little face stubble. And you want to be this way? As I said yesterday, as I tweeted, you, you have every right. You have every privilege, every protection under the law that everybody else do it does. You're an American. You live free in this country. You can do whatever you can say, whatever you can be, whatever you want to be. You can't, you can't uh, share this madness with five and six year olds. That is not a healthy society. When we don't protect our kids from this insanity, that is the sign of a diseased society. It really is. And here we are right here in, in Boston, right? The epicenter of this madness. And nobody says a freaking word other than turtle boy and me. It, uh, just, uh, just see what happens. See what happens. See how these five and six year olds, see how they grow up with this, this, this raving narcissist creep as their teacher, as their 
authority figure that they must listen to every day. I'll be waiting. We'll be looking. We'll be seeing uh, if the uh, media covers it at all. If this were in, in Florida, obviously it's against the law as it should be. But if this were anywhere, any sane place in the, in the whole world to say, can we get this weirdo away from our children? Can we please let our kids be kids? Can we teach them? Can they learn? Can they not be thrown for a loop like this? Can they not have their, have their minds just completely t- twisted and warped by this nut? It's just sad and scary. And I, I'm glad I don't have a child in that class. And uh, I know you have a six-year-old, Craig, but I'm going to guess your six-year-old, he's not, I know he's super, super freaky smart, mm-hmm. but he's not coming home and saying, my teacher's a boy, but he used to be a girl because, you know, sometimes the doctors make mistakes. What, what, what utter absolute nonsense. I guess we're, we're pretty well past the point where we, we uh, think that uh, liberals, Democrats believe in science. No science here, just absolute fantasy world. Go ahead, be in your fantasy world. Put your flannel on and tell everyone you're a, a boy. And by the way, share it with those little children who don't even know what a boy or uh, sex is or gender is or transition is. Just confuse the hell out of these little kids and see how it goes from there. But uh, I had to get that I had to get that out of the way because I was looking to see if anybody bothered to cover the biggest story in the country, the, the scariest story in the country. Speaking of scary, as we do every day, we will show you the commander-in-chief in action yesterday. And uh, like I said, when he's not... When he's not losing his way and telling stories and telling lies, he's he's trying to uh, trying to take your eye off the ball. This morning we had the highest uh, inflation rate in uh, let's see fifty no forty years forty years. Don't don't want to jump the gun here. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is just breaking. U.S. inflation rate soared eight point five percent over the last twelve months. The biggest spike since. December 1981, that's 40 years, correct? Yes, 41 years. Uh, prepare for Jen Psaki to, I'm going to give you my Saki impression today, which he takes to the podium in the press room. You ready? Putin, 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 ask anything, ask me anything, ask me, you know, uh, about uh, the southern border, ask me about uh, anything. Uh, Putin, 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 Putin. I, I often think that these people, Saki and the whole Biden regime, thinks everybody's stupid, and they do. They think they're we're as dumb as as dumb as Kamala Harris. But she repeats from the podium, Putin price hike, Putin price hike, because of the Putin price hike. Thinking if I say it enough, they'll believe it. But I don't think people are going to buy it. I think everyone knows inflation was soaring before the war. I think everybody knows that oil prices are just one thing that, that everything else, food and travel and cars, everything's gone up exponentially under this inept administration. And by the way, much of it by design, uh, but she'll just keep saying Putin and you know, that MSNBC and NBC and New York times will carry her water. They'll say it's about Putin, even though everybody knows it's not. Oh, by the way, before we uh, get back to Biden's ridiculous, performance yesterday on guns. Saki was asked about Kamala Harris and uh, 
Kasanji, Kataji Brown Jackson not wearing masks. Did you hear the new rule? New rule. They're uh, cracking down on masks again. Philadelphia just reinstituted a uh, mask mandate. No reason. This is like two deaths in a city of 100, um, 1.5 million. They got masks again in Philly. It's just, you know, they, they get itchy when they aren't in complete control. Fauci gets itchy when he want, when people aren't submitting. They look at what's happening in Shanghai, a city of 25 million, the third biggest city in the world is locked down and people are jumping out of their windows because they're starving and they're frustrated and they're killing people's dogs and cats all because of COVID, uh, allegedly. But uh, Kamala was asked, about, I mean, uh, Psaki was asked about Kamala and, uh, and Brown Jackson not wearing masks so we have a new standard now when they say you have to wear a mask when you go into a city building or you go soon, it'll be back into restaurants and gyms and everything else. They'll say you got to wear masks. There won't be any science behind it. But again, we don't get science. Who cares about science? It's about control. And these people miss having complete control. They miss the sight of everybody submitting for no good reason for people of children wearing masks to elementary school for no reason. There is no science behind it. We've said it a million times. I'll say it again. It has nothing to do with COVID. It has nothing to do with science. But her explanation yesterday, I think she slipped up here because it's so ridiculous and it's so laughable. But now you're allowed to take your mask off if it's an emotional or historic (laughs) day. That was the explanation from the White House flack, but uh, let's hear from uh, Peppermint Patty. You said on Friday that um, the Vice President was masked indoors all day, but the White House tweeted a video showing her standing over the President without a mask on. Can you explain what happened there? Well, I would say that the Vice President and the President and all of us abide by what the CDC protocols are. It was an emotional day. It was a historic day. And there were moments when she was not wearing a mask inside, including in a photo. But she was wearing it 99.9% of the time. Ooh, these these people are getting snippy. They're getting annoyed. They don't like, you know, when people question them or talk back to them. I just want to quick before we move. There were people, there are thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people in this country who couldn't visit their dying loved ones, their dying parents, their dying grandparents in the nursing home, couldn't visit them in the hospital. And if they were, they couldn't take the mask off or they couldn't go in two at a time. They had to wave goodbye to grandma through a window. Would you call that an emotional or historic time when your parents are dying and they wouldn't let you in? Because, you know, we go by the CDC guidelines. They go by the CDC guidelines when it's convenient. They don't care about the CDC guidelines. So now we know that you can take the mask off. You can don't have to social distance. You can kiss and hug and Everything, if it's an emotional and historic day, just get that, get that down and remember that that's the new rule. That's the new rule. I have a lot to get to before we get to Amber Athe. If you don't remember who Amber Athe, we talked about Amber last week. I mentioned her yesterday. She is the, uh, she is an editor for the Spectator magazine, but she was a radio talk show host in Baltimore until last week. She got fired. They lied uh, from this uh, cumulus station. They lied and said it was about a joke she made about Kamala Harris. And it's almost silly to even use that as the pretense because everybody knows the joke wasn't offensive. It wasn't racist. 
Kamala was all dressed in brown. Uh, Amber said, uh, made a snarky comment on uh, Twitter, said, what can Brown do for you? Not much. Um, they decided a month, uh, more than a month after she said it, I think it was, yeah, more than a month after she said it, that was racist. And they fired her from WMAL in Baltimore. But it wasn't really about that joke. As we will discuss, she wrote, and a lot of people are overlooking this. She's made a lot of appearances. She's been on Tucker and Dan Bongino. And people are overlooking this. It wasn't about that joke. It was about the trans mob, which came after her because she spoke out on her show and on Twitter about about the the insanity, the chemical castration of children, of the top surgery of, of 12 and 13-year-old girls. She, put, she spoke out about this insane trend in the country. And so they targeted her. They went after her. And as we point out many times, there is no mob as vicious, as ruthless as the trans mob, they pressured the station management, the station management fired her for, for nothing, for nothing, put her on the list of people who've been canceled for nothing, but Amber, God bless her is fighting back. Amber is naming names. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing those names. Cause I like that. She's not taking it. She's fighting back. She wrote about it on uh, spectator, uh, spectatorworld.com. You can read that from last week. It's a very good piece outlining exactly what unfolded and how these cowards just buckled, just caved to the mob. But we have a couple more things. I want to get to, I'm going to get to Biden on ghost guns and I want to get to uh, Cam Newton, but this is just breaking this morning. I think things are changing quickly. Ironhead in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Sean Penn says he's thinking about going over and fighting fighting for Ukraine against the Russians. Uh, I'm, I don't know about you, but uh, I mean, this is going to be like the Audie Murphy, man. This, he's going to go over there and kick some ass. If I'm uh, Putin, I'm getting a little nervous about this. Jeff Sapkoli is thinking of uh, coming to uh, the aid of, uh, of the Ukrainians. Uh, who's he talking to? I got the, uh, the quote. He's talking to Hollywood. Uh, I, I, uh, is it a podcast or is it a show? Let me get the interview. I mean, Sean Penn, first of all, wouldn't pass the physical. Does anyone look less healthy? He's not fat, but he just looks like he could, couldn't, you know, run 50 yards. He looks so unhealthy. He was speaking to Hollywood Authentic Magazine, and he said it crossed his mind. Uh, if you've been in Ukraine, it has to cross your mind. Uh, <laughs> and he wonder what century is this? Because I was at the gas station in Brentwood the other day, and now I'm thinking about taking up arms against Russia. What the F is going on? The only possible reason for me staying in Ukraine longer last time I was there would have been for me holding a rifle, probably <laughs> without body armor, because as a foreigner, you would want to give the body armor to one of the civilian fighters who doesn't have to, doesn't have it, or to a fighter with more skills than I have, or to a younger man or a woman. So he's going to fight, and he doesn't need any damn body armor. Watch out, Putin. Jeff Spicoli is on the way. Um, I don't, uh, you know, that, that, that wouldn't that be awesome that someone like that, actually, we got to see him armed up, marching, you know, down the streets of uh, Mirapol, looking to take out some 
Some Russians. Uh, go for it, Spicoli. I just imagine the Russians going, oh, my God, that's the guy from Mystic River. Run. <laughs> I was trying. He's been in. He was in a war movie with Michael J. Fox. He was the bad guy. Fox was the good guy. Sean Penn was like shooting, you know, civilians. And, and Michael J. Fox was had the... Uh, the moral dilemma. Does he rat him out? I forget what it was called. It was, it wasn't, I mean, he's a great actor. He really is. He does have a good presence, commanding presence on the screen. His finest role of course was Jeff Spicoli. Uh, I, I really think they should bring that back Do like a 50th class reunion or something, have the whole class from uh, Ridgemont high come back. And uh, I don't, I'm not sure Sean Penn would agree to it, but uh, is that the guy from I, Carlito's way? <laughs> that's right he played the alan dershowitz type character they yeah. in carlito's way this weasley lawyer with al pacino he was good i mean he's good he's good really boy. is good it really is good you know who's not a good actor joe biden i'm gonna get to cam newton i do want to get to cam newton and we got uh, a few other things to get to before we uh say hello to amber athe but I said this about just about Saki saying Putin price, like Putin price, like, and I wonder what she says is who's buying it. And wonder, I mean, it's just so transparently political. Nobody's buying. Everybody knows prices were soaring before the war. Everybody knows there are things that are totally unrelated to the war, which are, which cost a lot more than they did, you know, six months ago, a year ago, we see the number, the highest inflation rate in 40 years. We know it's mainly because of the utter incompetence of the administration, but I guess they got to do something. So they just say Putin, Putin, Putin. And t yesterday, I mean, it, I almost, it didn't bother me as much as it made me just laugh and roll my eyes at this completely lost and inept uh, president. I mean, it's hard to top the sound from the day before or, you know, the, the, what we played yesterday from Friday when he was just talking about being in the foothills of the Himalayas with G, I mean, just bizarre, bizarre train of thought from this uh, senile old man. So yesterday, I guess to take people's eyes off inflation and the Southern border and, and, and everything else going wrong in this country, they hold this, they do this stunt, this performative art about ghost guns. Now, 98% of the public doesn't know what a ghost gun is, doesn't care. They realize it's not an issue. They got real problems. They, the prices are soaring. Fentanyl's coming over the southern border. War is raging. And this buffoon not only talks about ghost guns, but shows you one. And like, and, and first of all, when you see Joe Biden with a gun in his hand, you can't help but get a little nervous. You're going, <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, he's... It, <laughs> This is, you're thinking about Alec Baldwin and what could, gee, what could go wrong? This buffoon picks up a ghost gun. First of all, nobody cares about ghost guns. Nobody. It's not an issue. It's not affecting anyone's life. And you know who else doesn't care about ghost guns? Joe Biden. His whole goal is to show you this flashy thing, literally show you this flashy thing and get you, get your eyes off the real issues, off the real failure of him and his administration. So he starts talking about ghost guns. And I'm literally going, what the hell? First of all, there's no such thing, really. It's a made-up term. It's for a gun that you assemble at home. And so I'm thinking as I'm watching this, wait a second, we have real a real problem in the inner cities with violence, right? We all know. I'm looking at the numbers right now. 
in Chicago the first three months of this year. That's not counting the last, you know, 12 days. First three months, there were 508 shootings in Chicago, 128 murders. Baltimore is on track for 375 murders this year. Baltimore is smaller than Boston. On track for more than a murder a day. Would you care to guess, and I don't know the answer, how many of those murders uh, were committed of those shootings in Baltimore and Chicago and Detroit and Philadelphia? How many of those shootings were done by ghost guns? According to the government, I'm going to say all of them. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good guess. You know what? I'll say none of them. Actually, New York Daily News, which is a complete joke, it's in the tank for Biden. Uh, They have a front page of a murder of the murders, I think over the weekend and bloodbath is, you know, it's a typical Monday front page from yesterday. And it says one of them was committed by a ghost gun. So they're there to serve the administration. They're as pathetic as the New York times, but even they can only come up with one. It is not a problem. I repeat, not a problem. There are problems in this country. Ghost guns aren't one of them, but the buffoon in the white house says, I'll take a day. They have all kinds of, they make a sign up, they bring in parts and they have this man, this frail, confused, incoherent old man start playing with the parts of the gun. And you go, wow, this is, this is just a stunt. This is just, you're just putting on a performance. Nobody goes home after a hard day at the office and says, you know, honey, we really have to do something about ghost guns in this country. It's just absurd. Uh, it's there, you know, most murders, most shootings, crimes are committed by people who stole the guns. They're not registered. They're not, they don't buy them at the gate that Cabela's and register them. They don't get the parts in the mail and assemble them. They steal them and they shoot people. And it's a problem. It has nothing to do with ghost guns. It is, this is designed just like Putin, Putin, Bryce, like to uh, persuade, to convince really stupid people. If you sat home last night, watched the news or online, watched the news and said, boy, we really have to do something about those scary ghost guns. You're a moron. It is not a problem affecting this, uh, this country right now, as much as they will say it and talk about it and try to scare people. In fact, you know, guns, legal guns, and which is what ghost guns are, aren't a problem in the country. We know that as much, you know, fentanyl dealers aren't getting parts in the mail and assembling their guns. But so I mentioned it before we start recording this morning and uh, uh, Ironhead over here, you think he's as dumb as he looks? Not quite says, yeah, he does this. You you get parts sent to you in the mail and assemble your own guns? Yes. I, I used to. I unfortunately lost them all in a boating accident, but I did do that. You for lost some time. all your guns in a boating accident? That's right. How did that happen? Uh, I tipped over in a canoe and they all went to the bottom of the lake. Why did you have all your guns in a canoe? Uh, you know, just showing them off to <laughs> going to shooting in the woods. Okay. All right that's it that's it you lost all your guns in a canoe accident did yeah, you lose anything else a kid or anything a wife i didn't bring them I did not bring just you did you yeah. lose all your fishing stuff too yeah i did it was a it everything was a piss poor you could hide. can't you hire someone to go on the, in a scuba diver and go and get them for you yeah people I, do that when they lose like their you know wedding ring or something they hire somebody to go find it yeah that was just if the government's listening why would you uh 
Why would you buy parts and assemble your own gun when you are in New Hampshire and can legally walk into a gun store and buy a gun? Well, it's way cheaper and you can make it exactly the way you want it. You don't have to buy one and then change this, that, and all that. Okay, exactly the way you want it. Don't you want it to like shoot bullets and like kill things or hit targets? Yeah, what I mean, is it you need to do? Why, why would you need to assemble your own? Give me a specific. Different triggers, different barrel lengths, different grips, oh. different stocks. See, see, I am one, I support the second amendment hundred percent. I know that ghost guns and, and, and legal guns aren't the problem, but you gun people sometimes give me the creeps. Be honest, totally honest. Yep. When you're assembling your gun, mm-hmm. are you fully aroused? Uh, not really, but my pants are off. Your pants are off. See, just, I, that's how I picture you people, you <laughs> gun weirdos. You can't just buy a gun and say, here, I'm going to protect my family. Or I'm going to shoot targets in the woods. You have to buy a gun and you take it out in your quiet moments. You probably have a drink, pour yourself a drink and just rub it. Don't you? You Mm-mm. clean it even after you don't use it because it's like, it's, let's be, it's no different than uh, in masturbating for you. Correct. Well, as soon as, as soon as alcohol touches your lips, you better throw those puppies back in the safe. Yes, so they're in the safe and you've never had to use them, right? Never actually had to use them. No. No. And yet you need more than one, right? That's all fun. (laughs) Different different reasons. You got one to carry. How many many do you need? I've talked about this before, but I have a friend of mine, a guy I know, we were talking about uh, AR-15s, you know, the scary assault rifles with the 20 bullet magazines, Mm -hmm. which is another stunt that this fool in the White House pulls. And by the way, he told the joke yesterday that he just told 8,000 times. It's a terrible joke. It doesn't make anybody laugh. And he says, why do you need those magazines? Do you think the deer have Kevlar vests? And nobody laughs. It's so bad and uncomfortable. It makes you cringe. Everyone forgets the Second Amendment's based off fighting a tyrannical right. government. So I don't right. think, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's the only answer to that. That stupid joke and every other uh, you know, talking point. You just The Second Amendment has nothing to do with hunting. It never did. Nope. And if, you, if people say it does, then they're either stupid or they're lying, probably lying. Uh, in the case of the real anti-gun people, I, you know, I understand, I understand both sides, but you could take every AR-15 off. The, you could literally take them all away, confiscate them today. And there'd still be 508 shootings in Chicago this right. year. Oh yeah. It'd still be 375 murders in Baltimore this year. Uh, you'd still have every single street crime that was committed over the weekend would still happen. They're, they're not, yeah. they're not committed by AR people who lawfully own AR-15s or high capacity magazines or God forbid ghost guns. But do we have any sound from Biden or we just have the, uh, the video? I mean, it's, it's funny just to look at him going over and say, let me show you how this works. Everybody sitting there had to be saying, God, this is like, I mean, if this, if this were second grade class, you'd say, is this really necessary? I mean, it's just so transparently political. I don't think it worked it, at any level. I don't think it convinced anyone that gun goat ghost guns are the real problem with society. But let's watch this fool attempt to convince us. A functioning farm. You bought a gun. Take a look. Take a look at this. Come in this package. You can see the picture down here, maybe. This is the gun. It's not hard <laughs> to put together. Little drill, hand drill at home. Doesn't take very long. Anyone can order the mail. Anyone. 
<laughs> like, Folks, a felon, a terrorist, a domestic abuser. Can go. I like to imagine that just, when he picked it up, everyone ducked. <laughs> it's just amazing. I know. It's amazing. This is the president of the United States. The war, the, there's a biggest war in Europe in 70 years raging. There's, as we say, runaway inflation. The southern border is wide open. Fentanyl is killing 100,000 Americans a year. And he's going through this silly, this, this silly, you know, choreographed event. We're saying, look, you take this and you take a drill. Anyone could do it. Wouldn't you love to have said, okay, you do it. Anyone could do it. Let's see you do it, Joe. Let's see you take that little hand drill and put the gun together and make a working firearm. Now that would be something. I mean, if the head of the ATF or as Joe Biden calls him, the head of the AFT were to hold this kind of event, you'd say, okay, fine. You know, he's still pretend, but the president took time out of his day and, and brain power out of his limited uh, supply to, to, to sit there and talk about ghost guns. Just absurd. And insulting in a way, it's insulting. Uh, we don't have time to get to Cam Newton. Maybe we could do that. Uh, you know what? How much time we got? You want? Do, do you want to do a little Cam Newton before we get to Amber? Sure. Why not? Oh, you know what? Why don't we come back? Why don't we do Amber, and then we'll come back to Cam Newton, who stepped in it big time. I don't think you're going to see Cam Newton get a job in the NFL anytime soon. Stepped in it big time yesterday. But uh, I mentioned this a few times. Amber Athey was fired from her radio show in Baltimore last week. She's a spunky young woman who was uh, really good, is, is going places. This is going to be a good career move. But she got fired for nothing when the trans mob came after her. The uh, executives at Cumulus uh, caved, cowards at Cumulus caved. And they figured she'd just go away quietly and, you know, look for no- she just, She ain't going quietly. She's naming names. She's telling her story. And it should bother everybody, but this is the latest example of cancel culture run amok. And by the way, the little tiny, tiny trans mob getting their way, getting its way as always. Again, they are a very small, uh, very small group of people, but man, they can uh, influence people. They can scare people. They can intimidate people. And that's what they did to Amber's bosses who cut her cut her off at the knees and and uh, got rid of her rather than deal rather than stand up to the mob but amber ain't going quietly we will talk to amber Athey after i tell you about uh what do we got today express vpn let's talk about express vpn as we talk about all the time on this show big tech companies are ramping up censorship they are out of control we've been shadow banned we got kicked off youtube for medical misinformation one time what you may not realize is that big tech companies, not only do they censor what you read and what they track what you do online, they also track what you're searching for, the videos you watch, everything you click on. They use the data to serve you ads. They match your activity to your true identity. They use this data and they turn it into a product. The same big tech companies who are largely responsible for cancel culture are using you, using your information to profit off it. That's why... We use ExpressVPN, and you should too. Well, that's why I use it. Ironhead uses it because he really loves uh, U-Porn, really loves U-Porn, and this hides his identity. This is what they do. This is what it does. ExpressVPN is a simple tool, protects you from big tech by hiding your identity and your online habits. ExpressVPN disguises you and prevents big tech from tracking your online activity and turning you into a product. You need this. 
these days, my friends. Make sure to go to expressvpn.com slash Callahan to get an extra three months for free with an annual subscription. Again, that's expressvpn.com slash Callahan. Support this show, strike back against big tech, and keep identity thieves at bay. I quickly an update. Callahan Coffee is selling, and the reviews are great. Uh, you must be happy about that ironing because you're the guy who picked it. We tested a few different samples. We teamed up with a Waltham roaster. They gave us a few samples, all good, dark, rich coffee. I loved them all. I left it up to Craig. He picked the one we went with, Callahan Coffee, which is available now. It combines beans from three continents, and it created a unique natural coffee flavor, rich with chocolate and sweet with caramel taste notes. I'm not sure I can tell any of that, but I know what I like, and I like this stuff. It's a full-bodied dark roast. You can get it at CallahanCoffee.com. You can also pick up a Bug the Chug mug to drink your Callahan coffee in style. If you use a Keurig, you can enjoy Callahan coffee with a reusable K-cup pod. We have helpful links on our website where you can find that. Go to CallahanCoffee.com or click the link in any of our social media bios to order your coffee today. All right, let's get to Amber Athee. All right, joining us now is Amber Athee. Uh, the uh, Washington editor of The Spectator and a fellow at the Steamboat Institute and former co-host of O'Connor and Company on uh, WMAL in Baltimore. She got fired and uh, she handled it beautifully, I must say. But hi, Amber. Thanks for coming on. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So how, how many job offers have you received since this uh, news <laughs> broke and uh, what are you going to do next? Well, I've had a couple of conversations with people, but um, honestly, I'm very busy right now, even without the radio show. I still have my full-time job at The Spectator, which has graciously stood by me during this whole thing. And I'm also finishing up a book right now. So about six months ago, I started writing this book tentatively titled The Snowflakes Revolt. And ironically enough, it is about the woke takeover of corporate media. And now I find myself sort of embroiled in the perfect example of everything that I'm writing about. So there will certainly be an extra chapter in the book, but that's set to come out uh, towards the next holiday season. And I also used to have this podcast called Unfit to Print with the Daily Caller that I really love doing. So I'm kind of exploring, maybe bringing that back. So I'm keeping plenty busy. I think, you know, I kind of lean towards doing something that's more independent this time around because then I don't have to worry about censoring myself or people coming after me and I can... just have people give me money directly. Like that's, I much prefer that, right? <laughs> well, let me tell you, I'm an expert on these. I'm an expert on people being canceled for saying something uh, uh, unacceptable on the radio. And and especially uh, the people who went after you, the trans mob. But let's, to, to review, I think a lot of people have heard your story. But uh, what happened with, with you was you watched the State of the Union, like all of us, and you tweeted about it, as I did, as lots of people do, a little snarky tweet about Kamala Harris's outfit. She was dressed in brown, all brown. You made a perfectly innocuous wisecrack, said, uh, what can brown do for you? Apparently uh, not much. Uh, We all do that. I mean, let's be honest. There's never been a better object of ridicule than our vice president. Um, here's, Here's the important factor, though. When you did it, when you said it, there was no real backlash. Nobody was offended. Hell, still nobody's offended. But you eventually got fired from your radio gig in Baltimore. And the excuse they used 
was that tweet, correct? That's right. So what happened was a few days after I sent the tweet about Kamala's outfit, I got involved in this separate debate about the idea of transgender children because there had been these protests at the University of North of North Texas against a speaker coming to campus. And the speaker's name was Jeff Younger. And Jeff Younger is a dad who lost custody of his son because his ex-wife believed that the son was actually a daughter and needed to undergo this gender transition. So that was what kind of sparked all of this. And then I was just generally speaking out against the idea of, uh, of hormone therapy, puberty blockers, surgical interventions for underage kids. I don't think they can consent to that. And then you run the risk of all of these horrible side effects like osteoporosis, infertility, uh, brain damage, and like these kids aren't old enough to make those types of decisions. And a lot of times a parent is kind of like pushing them into words, thinking they're a different gender. And it's really, really sad. But anyway, besides all of that, I, I think it's important to point out because I haven't really gotten to talk as much about that aspect of it. But um, these left-wing activists who think that children should just like become a boy overnight if they want to um, – decided to try to cancel me. And what they did is they went back through the Twitter account, they found the Kamala tweet, and they started posting out screenshots claiming that the what can Brown do for you comment was about her skin color. Then they moved on to the natural next step in their, uh, in their list of how they destroy somebody, and they started sending emails to my various employers. The spectator laughed at the emails, deleted them, but a week later, I got a call from some corporate executives at Cumulus Media, which is the parent company for WMAL, which is the radio station that I was working at. They told me that they um, had been made aware of this racist tweet and it had violated their social media policy and they were firing me effective immediately. You, uh, when they say that, when you hear that, uh, first of all, you're in disbelief because there was nothing wrong with the tweet. But do they, do they actually say we think it was racist, that we think it was offensive, or did they just say we can't handle this this pressure they're putting on us? So at the time in the phone call, they actually did say that it was racist. Oh, uh, and, and that was, I found, I was incredulous when I heard that because I thought it was so ridiculous. And I, I remember interjecting and saying, uh, you know, it's about her outfit, right? And they, they pretty much ignored me. You know, they, they didn't really want to talk about the facts of the case. It almost sounded like they were reading off of an HR script in the way that they fired me because they wouldn't engage with anything that I tried to say in response. But I found out later that in subsequent meetings with other uh, hosts at WML who were pretty horrified by the decision as well, that um, the, the corporate executives, I guess, had the tweet explained to them and kind of <laughs> admitted that it wasn't really racist, but that it didn't matter because it was all about the perception. So uh, to me, that's almost worse because they basically admitted that if anybody outside of the station calls you racist, no matter how many Twitter followers they have, whether or not they've ever listened to the station, it doesn't matter. If somebody calls you that, then you're done. That, that is so true. I mean, you don't know my story, but I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here with you. I was uh, fired uh, after 22 years on morning radio because I essentially said that four is uh, too young to transition and uh, mocked the uh, mother of a, of a four-year-old transgender child who was celebrating her, her son's transition into a girl. And uh, obviously that's ridiculous, but it ignites the mob 
And as I explain to people all the time, the one thing you need to succeed in talk radio is a boss with some balls. They have to be able to stand up to the mob. It's obviously harder now than it used to be because there's, you know, email and Twitter and everything else. They used to have to, you know, write letters. And if the boss doesn't have some sp- have a spine, then you're in trouble because they will say, "Uh oh, I gotta do something here," and you gotta go. They don't think what you did was offensive. They don't think what you did was racist, but they can't stand up to this mob. And as I know, and you know, the trans mob is the most vicious, the most relentless of all the mobs. I think a lot of people lost that in your story. I've seen you make a number of appearances, and I think you've done an incredible job of defending yourself and calling out these frauds who fired you. But you write it in your column in The Spectator, which, again, was very well done. And you talk about the mob, uh, which started with the University of Tech North Texas scene. By the way, they didn't just protest. They spit on him. A father was trying to save his child from this you know, chemical castration. They shouted at him. They uh, ran, uh, wouldn't let him speak. And they spit on him. Yeah. So clearly, you know, you, you're on the same side of 99% of Americans who find that repulsive, but that, that they went back and looked for your Kamala tweet. They found it. You must've been in disbelief though. You must've been like, okay, you know, you want me to delete it or apologize or whatever. You're really going to fire me. It just seems so bizarre. Yeah. Actually, when they first started sending out that tweet and I'm referring to the transgender activists, I actually laughed and like egged them on a little bit because I thought it was so absurd. So I uh, was joking, like, here's how you can cancel me. And maybe people will go back and say, oh, you deserved it because you were egging them on. But like to me, I've dealt with people trying to cancel me so many times that at a certain point you get tired of defending yourself and you're just like, go ahead and do it. Like if that's what you want to, if that's how you want to play the game, like I don't think that the right should keep arguing on their terms anymore and having to constantly defend themselves against accusations that don't make any sense. So anyway, getting back to the corporate response, the thing is, is I think even if they had asked me to delete it or apologize and I can't go back and, and claim to have acted a certain way unless I was in the situation, but I don't think I would have agreed to that. Right. It just sounds wrong to me because like, I'm happy to apologize if I feel like I did something wrong and I need to own up to something. And I've, I've certainly said things on social media before where I was like, all right, that went too far. Sorry about that one guys. Like my bad. Or, you know, I was 17 and I said something stupid on social media. That's I, I apologize for that. But I will. I don't apologize for for things that I when I didn't do anything wrong. Like that is just so. That's unjust. That's not how justice works. Having to beg for forgiveness from people who hate you anyway because they've decided that you're a bad person. That just doesn't work for me. Well, uh, good for you. Your uh, co-host or the host was uh, Larry O'Connor, the uh, of O'Connor and Company, and he came to your defense. Correct. Credit to him, man, because that's yeah. not an easy thing to do. And I assume other people did as well, because this is so, I mean, you're, the firing is just so insane. Any normal person uh, had your back, correct? Yeah, I think pretty much every host on WMAL came to my defense. Um, Larry spoke out on his program the day after I went public to tell listeners what happened. I was on Dan Bongino's afternoon drive show um, uh, the day that it had, that I went public actually. And he's been very vocal about it. Vince Colonnese, who I've been friends with for a long time, spoke out. Tucker. And all you were on Tucker? I was on Tucker. 
And as far as I can tell, the people who think this is crazy far outnumber the people who think that this was justified or deserved or even celebrating it. And for me, like part of the reason why I wanted to come forward is because this was such a clear cut case, in my opinion, of wrongdoing on behalf of a a corporation. Uh, There was no gray area here, I don't think. So it seemed pretty clear to me that anyone with like more than three brain cells would see this for what it was and realize that this is the way that we are going in conservative media. If, as you said, we don't have bosses who are willing to stand up for us. And, and, you know, that obviously you don't need that when you do a podcast and you, although you do have it at the spectator, which is a good thing to hear, man. It's a, there's just so few people like this. I keep a list of people who've been canceled and the list of people have been canceled for nothing. I mean, it's one thing to cancel someone if they genuinely uh, you know, offend, screw up and say something offensive. But the people who get canceled for doing nothing is truly frightening because that means this little mob, this little crazy mob, in your case, the trans, my case too, the trans mob, they're controlling things. And you, at some point you have to stand up and say, wait, you're a very small minority here. You're, you're insane. You're obviously insane. You want to chemically castrate children, we have to stop listening to you. Did you come up with your, your strategy, your counteroffensive on your own? Or did you get, learn that from somebody? Because there are just not enough people like you. Yeah, I was really just instinctual. Mostly when it first happened to me, my, my first thought, and maybe this is wrong. <laughs> I thought, man, I'm going to destroy these guys on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking what about your book? You mentioned your book. I'm saying this is perfect. They, yeah. I mean, favorite. it was all kind of unintentional, but I, I don't know. I was just raised that way. My parents always told me like, if somebody's beat me to you at school and they won't stop, then you just like punch them in the nose and we'll, we'll take care of you if that's what needs to be done. So it was kind of an always stand up for yourself type of situation in my house. And I grew up with an older brother too, who's four years older than me. So if I didn't fight back, like I was going to just get abused all day long because that's what older brothers do. Um, but to your point about these people being a small minority, I think that's so important to remember because ultimately I think Cumulus maybe got half a dozen emails from these people and that's what caused them to cave. And now they're getting hundreds, if not thousands from people who are upset that they fired me. So part of my goal was if you think that I violated your social media policy by bringing reputational harm on the company, then I'm going to bring you a million times more reputational harm by telling everyone what you did to me. I, I, I love to hear that, Amber. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. What's I want the names of the cumulus executives. I know you've given those out. Uh, we need more of that. We need to call out these cowards. Yeah, I completely agree. So the two people who actually called me to fire me are named Jeff Bowden. He is the vice president of DC operations for Cumulus Media and Kristen Fancellas. She's the vice president of human resources for Cumulus Media. And one thing I would also like to know is who actually made the decision to fire me, because to this day, we have not been able to actually get a name or even figure out what level of the company was involved in making this decision. And I've learned a lot since I came forward from former Cumulus and WML employees. And I honestly would not be surprised if this came from the CEO, Mary Berner. 
uh, someone tipped me off to the fact that apparently she has a transgender child. So that would explain a lot. I don't know if that's true. I have no way of confirming that, but I can tell you that she has donated a lot of money to the human rights campaign. So if you have someone like that in power overseeing hundreds of conservative radio stations around the country and they're sympathetic to the woke mobs that are coming to cancel their talent, then it's no surprise that this happened to me and it's probably going to happen to somebody else too. That's that's such a great point. As you know, from the, uh, the president of entertainment at Disney, we heard from last week, she had a pan, uh, pansexual child and a transgender child. And as soon as she says that, you say, you know, this all makes sense now. This is, you know, she is part of that very small, very vicious uh, mob. Uh, And and I I would add, I don't know if you can do this, but for your book, you should try to get a hold of the emails. Because uh, the one thing you're wrong about, it wasn't six emails. It was six people sending 6,000 emails. That's That's the strategy. And they can dress, they can make it look like a real movement. And I guarantee you that had an effect. Those, those, those cowards, those corporate execs you mentioned sat there and looked and the more emails they saw, the more nervous they got. Then they used the magic words, you know, racism and you know, sexism and homophobia and transphobia, which is, is, you know, that's their playbook and it worked. They got your hide, they pinned it on the wall, but they didn't count on the fact that you were going to fight back and call them out. And we need more of that. Like I said, I got my list of people, you know, who got fired for doing nothing. You know, right? Chris Harrison, for example, the uh, the guy from The Bachelor. Oh yeah, he got oh, fired for doing nothing. For doing, uh, and you know what he did? Apologize and groveled. And I guess he got some money, but that's the problem. You get fired for doing nothing if you apologize and you beg for forgiveness. Then you sound like you actually did something. We need people, and we need everyone to react the way you did and fight back and push back. So. I, you know, I don't know where it ends. I think you're going to, you are going to look back and say that was the best thing that happened to you. And not just cause it'll help your book, but I, I was just telling my producer, I said, get, get ready. You're going to see her on Fox news. You're going to see her, I don't know, daily wire or somewhere. And uh, how old are you, by the way? I'm 27. Well, and how long have you been at the spectator? I've been there for two, two years, two years now. This is a very good, I mean, I, uh, I should read all your stuff, but the column you wrote about your firing is very good. And, you know, it's exactly what we need. As I said, like no, you know, no wavering, no groveling. You did nothing wrong. People have to have the guts to say, I did nothing wrong. And by the way, 20 years ago, no one would have bad enough. It would have been nothing. This is a trend that's gotten worse and hopefully the pendulum swings back the other way. But, but what you did here was the way, was what every, as I said, I can't say it enough. It was what everybody has to do. So excellent job by you. When's the book come out, by the way? It should be out sometime late fall, early winter. We're trying to get it out before the holidays, but I've got a couple of weeks left to finish it. So I'm going to be buckling down. I'm, I'm going to guess you got a new chapter or two. I definitely do. Uh, yeah. At least. <laughs> have you, have you met or heard directly from any of the people? I mean, you for any of the, the people in that mob that came after you, they don't like go right to you at all. Do they? No, they, they tweet at me from behind a block or, you know, they have their little circles that they celebrate it. They actually don't tag people in it because they don't want the subject of the tweet to go see it. They actually only screenshot or type your name out in full 
And then if you find it, they accuse you of searching your own name on Twitter. It's like, uh, you can't win with them. So you just, you can't engage. <laughs> what's your, I mean, I'm a pessimist. So I think it's, it's, I always feel like it's going to get worse. It's pretty bad, but do you think it's the pendulum? Do you think it's going back the other way? Do you feel like that there'll be more people like you and people will wake up to what's happening here, that this tiny minority is, is controlling things and maybe it's going to swing back the other way. Just based on the amazing support I've received over the past week, I really do feel optimistic about everything. And I'm usually actually a natural pessimist. So that's, so that's saying a lot. Um, but I think a lot of it is just being able to identify these campaigns and how the left does them because they are very effective and they've been effective for years and years and years, whether it's advertiser boycotts, as you said, having bots in these emails, um, just all out assaults against people. And there's, there's two ways really in my mind to fight back against it. You have to have a company that doesn't cave to them because when you cave, you incentivize the behavior even further. It's like a child throwing a temper tantrum and the people who are on the receiving end of it have to stop apologizing and giving in and acting like they've done something wrong. There has to be a firm brick wall against these assaults. And until then, it's just going to keep happening. Did anyone in the media uh, celebrate your, your your firing? Did any prominent media person say, good riddance, this, this was racist? I, mean, which I saw everybody... quite a few uh, verified individuals on Twitter celebrating uh, by. I honestly didn't know who they were. I tried to look in their bios and they, it didn't ring a bell for me. So that's how you know you, you, nobody can, nobody could honestly say they were offended by that. You know, that's the amazing thing is you lose your job and nobody could honestly say what they heard, what they read was offensive or racist. They can't, they, they couldn't do that in, in, in any sincerity. So that's how you know you got them. But I got to say one more time, great job, Ambertha. If you haven't seen it yet, I tweeted it out. I'm looking at it right now. You got to read her column. Uh, it's not behind a paywall, correct? The, uh, the column. Uh, it shouldn't be, but if it is, you can use my discount code Amber to subscribe. Go to Amber to subscribe to the uh, Spectator. It is it is worth it. It is a great site, and this is a really good column, and I'm, I'm happy for you, you know? I'm, you are going to go places, and you're going to look back, and you're going to thank that mob for... Uh, <laughs> For what they did, but uh, we appreciate. The, am I saying it correctly? A they? It's athe. Athe. Well, you could have corrected me. Oh, it's fine. It's been pronounced like thirty different ways in the I past I, week. <laughs> I think I've heard most of them. But uh, yeah. Amber Athe from the Spectator, we appreciate your time and uh, good luck with everything. Okay, thanks so much, Jerry. I appreciate you. We will be looking for that book. What's the title again? The Snowflakes Revolt. I like it. We'll be looking for the Snowflakes Revolt next Christmas. Thanks again, Amber. Thank you. That is Amber Athey from uh, The Spectator and uh, formerly of WMAL in Baltimore. And if you haven't seen her, if you haven't uh, uh, read her, you really got to because uh, she's going places. And this is uh, they're going to regret the day they ran her off the air in, in Baltimore because she is a fighter and uh, we love it. Did you know that Shea Concrete is the largest manufacturer of recon retaining wall systems in North America? Well, you do now. In fact, in 2020, Shea set a new company record when they manufactured 178,000 square feet of retaining wall. This is a testament to Shea's legendary teamwork from engineering to manufacturing to dispatch and delivery. As the guys at Shea like to say, teamwork makes the teamwork. They do. I've been around them when they say that. Shea Concrete's high-performing precast concrete retaining walls stand up to New England's active climate and come in a wide variety of shapes 
designs, and textures to meet your retaining wall needs. So whether you need a residential, a commercial, or an industrial application, Shea has a dedicated team that will assist you with conceptual design, site walks, and installation. Let Shea show you the way. Call Shea Concrete at 800-696-SHEA. That's 800-696-SHEA. Or just log on to SheaConcrete.com. I'm going to say this in defense, in defense of Cam Newton, and I'll be honest, this isn't easy, but I'm going to defend him. He's on to something. I don't know if you saw Ron DeSantis' event on, uh, I'm not sure what day, was it Monday or Sunday? Ron DeSantis did an event at the Tampa Bay Bucks facility with Tony Dungy about supporting fatherhood, incentivizing fatherhood, because the biggest problem in the inner cities today is fatherless homes. It's something like 75% of black kids are born into single, born into uh, fatherless homes. And that is the number one indicator of trouble to come. We know that. So if you were going to be a proponent of traditional family structure, you know, two parents at home, uh, you know, loving parents, helping the kid, showing the kid, giving the kid a great example of what a good father is that would be a great cause for Cam Newton to uh, advocate, to support, to talk about in these interviews. I don't think Cam Newton did a very good job of going there. I think he was onto something, but he just lost his way, as he sometimes does. And with someone like him or anyone, any big celebrity, your first question should be, you know, is he making any sense? Is he onto something? Is this a real issue? Should we be concerned about this? But when you do it the way Cam does, your first question is, is he an idiot? Did he really say that? Is he really, is he really going there? Um, it didn't work out for Cam. It didn't work out for, for a couple of reasons. He, uh, he talked about women being bad bitches or being like good mothers. And he talked about literally <laughs> getting it, literally saying, get in the kitchen, woman. This is essentially what he said. But let's listen to Cam Newton on this podcast. Uh, and you wonder as you're watching this, is, is shouldn't he be asking, the, shouldn't he have that voice in his head saying, do I really want to go here? And am I really articulating this the way I want? It doesn't work out. He gets destroyed in the media. And I understand why. I'm just going to, his defense, say he, he, his intentions were good. It just didn't work out. But let's listen to Cam. I had a, a perfect, a perfect example of what a man was in my life by my father. Mm -hmm. My parents have been together for 36, 37 years now, and it's, and it's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I grew up in a three-parent household, my mom, my father, and my grandmother. And uh, I knew what... A woman was not a bad bitch. Okay, what's the difference? A woman. Okay. A bad bitch is a person who's just, you know, girl, I'm a bad bitch. You know, I'm doing yeah. this, I'm doing that. I, I, I looked apart, but I don't act apart. Okay. You know, and it's a lot of women who are bad bitches, and I say bitches in, in, in a way not to degrade a woman. But nah. just to to <laughs> to go off the aesthetic of what they deem is a boss chick. Mm -hmm. Now, a woman for me is handling your own, but knowing how to cater to a man's needs. Ooh. Right. 
And I think a lot of times when you get that aesthetic of like, I'm a boss bitch, like I'm a this, I'm a dad. No, baby. Like, but you can't cook. Okay. You don't know, you don't know when to be quiet. You don't know how to allow a man to lead. (laughs) Oh no, 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 Cam. You know, he's, uh, he talked about his parents and what a great example he had. And that's where uh, he had it right. You know, you want to say, Guys, you need to set an example for your kids. Of course, he doesn't live it. He's got at least five kids with two different women. Uh, he had four children with his former girlfriend, Kia Proctor, and then he knocked up an Instagram model. So he's not a good example, but his father was. According to him, his father and mother were great examples, and they had traditional mother-father roles. You could do that. You know, the way Tony Dungy does and, and talk about how important it is for guys to take responsibility and be there for their kids. But then you say she should cater to her man's needs and learn how to cook. How is there not alarm bells going off in his own head saying, that's not where you want to go with this. (laughs) Again, I think his attentions are good. He was talking about how great his parents were. You love to hear that. We should hear more of that, but you don't, you don't want to say cater to a man's needs. That's a little outdated, shall I say? I feel I feel bad for him. I think he meant well, but God, it did not come out right. And that's not going to help. That is not going to help. He's a free agent. He stinks. A former MVP, who's only I believe thirty two, and he's done. He's done. Unless he's going to go in that USFL or that other pretend league that uh, Terrell Owens is playing in. Uh, it just makes you want. It just makes you question not his his attitude about women as much as his judgment, where he thinks that's appropriate. That that's uh, you know that's somehow helpful. Talking about cater to your man's needs. Should have spent more time on how great his parents were, and how her mother, his mother, was a traditional mother who cooked and raised the kids and, and did it and set an amazing example. That would have been. That would have been wise. Of course, we wouldn't have heard much about that. But anyway, RIP to Cameron Newton. I don't think you're going to see him uh, starting an NFL game, another NFL game anytime. It's hard to believe it was MVP. He went 15 and one. The guy we saw in New England who just sucked, but uh, had a good run, made some money. Hopefully, he is a good uh, father to his many, many children. And uh, hopefully, his girlfriend caters to his needs and gets in the kitchen and cooks. But anyway, uh, that will do it for today. Thank you to uh, Amber Athee and uh, thank you to everybody for watching and listening. And uh, thanks to Ironhead and of course, Graham, our marketing manager. Don't forget coffee, CallahanCoffee.com. If you want to check out our first, our first branded product, we appreciate it. I'm Jerry Callahan. This is the Callahan show. And we will talk to you again tomorrow. Here tonight, shaking my head and thinking something ain't right. Is it just me? Am I losing my mind? Am I standing on the edge of the end of time? Am I the only one? Tell me I'm not. Who thinks it takes- like the show? Leave a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. 
Finding suitable mental health medications can be a challenge. The GeneSight test may help. Did you know that genetics can play an important role in gaining insight on how a person may respond to various medications? Understanding this may help reduce medication trial and error. GeneSight is a genetic test that analyzes variations in DNA. It shows how genes may affect someone's metabolism or response to medications commonly prescribed to treat depression, anxiety, and other mental health conditions. Visit GeneSight.com for more information.